A reading from Matthew. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, if another member of the church sinned against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred uh, denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. And then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had the mercy on your fellow slave as I had the mercy on you? And in anger, the Lord handed him, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Peter asks a ridiculous question. And so in response, Jesus tells him a ridiculous story. I know this story might not sound ridiculous to us, but it is, and, and it's meant to be. It starts with a slave who's brought before a king because he owes this king a debt. And this is the first time we get a hint that this might be a ridiculous story. Because Jesus says that the slave owes this king 10,000 talents. And that sounds like a lot of money, right? But it's actually an absurd amount of money. See, back then, the word 10,000 was often used to just refer to the biggest number possible. Kind of like how right now Penny uses the number 41 to mean lots and lots because 41 is the biggest number that she knows. So it's possible that Jesus is saying that this slave owes the king an infinite debt. But even if not, even if this is meant to be taken literally, even if this really is a 10,000 talent debt, that's still an absurd amount of money. The average person would have to work 150,000 years to make that much money. I mean, we're talking about like, like Jeff Bezos kind of money. How could anybody owe that kind of debt? How, how could a slave owe that kind of debt? It's impossible. It's ridiculous. 
And when it's clear that the slave can't pay this money back, the king orders that the slave and his whole family and all of his possessions be sold to help pay off the debt, which is also ridiculous because that's barely going to make a dent in what this guy owes. And it's even more ridiculous that, that this slave falls to his knees and begs the king to be patient because he says he's going to pay it back. I mean, it's only going to take 150,000 years, right? So you know the guy's good for it. But even that isn't as ridiculous as the fact that this king, who was just about to sell this man and his family, relents. That he's so moved after just one sentence of begging that he not only forgives this man's absurdly enormous debt, but then sets him free. This is a ridiculous story. And it ends with this slave who's now free and debt-free, running into a friend who owes him some money. The man owes him 100 denarii, which is equivalent to roughly 0.00018% of the 10,000 talent debt the king had just forgiven. And this newly freed slave who had just been forgiven demands his money. And when it turns out the other guy can't pay it, he has him thrown in jail. This is a ridiculous story. And it's meant to be because the question that it's responding to was ridiculous. The question came from Peter, who asked Jesus how many times he has to forgive somebody who wrongs him. See, Peter and the other disciples had just listened as Jesus talked about the importance of reconciliation. As Jesus told them that the church is meant to be a place where we seek to heal what's broken between people. And Peter says, yeah, that sounds good, Jesus, but, but how many times do I have to do that? In seminary, I had this professor who would always say to us, why do you ask that question? He was always trying to get at our, our motives, the reason behind our questions. Peter is asking this question because forgiveness and reconciliation sound hard. And so he wants to know exactly how many times he has to do this and when he's off the hook. What's the bare minimum I have to do to check off this box, Jesus? When am I allowed to stop forgiving? He even offers up a number. How about after seven times? I mean, that was more than the common practice in Peter's day. And so I think anybody listening probably would have nodded their heads and thought, hey, this, this Peter's a pretty pious and holy guy. But forgiveness isn't about keeping score, is it? It's not even about numbers at all. And that's part of what Jesus is trying to tell us. Our world often sees forgiveness as a, a transaction, a system of, of credits and debits with a balance kept and things recorded. But that's not how forgiveness works. And if we head down that path, it can, 
it can only lead to bad places. We can become like Peter, who was, who was really just looking for an excuse to not forgive people. And so he was asking Jesus how he could scrape by with the bare minimum, meeting the letter of the law while ignoring its spirit. Or take that number 10,000 talents. Clearly, this parable is telling us that, that that's how much that God has forgiven us. But, but how can we possibly quantify that? I have no idea how to measure my sins or wrongdoings that have been forgiven by God, but I do know that trying to figure out how much we owe God or or exactly how much God has forgiven us can just turn into another form of legalism where we think we can try to earn God's forgiveness, or it can turn into self-loathing where we think we're so awful that we won't even embrace the love or forgiveness that is shown to us. And focusing even on that hundred denarii, on exactly what people owe us, how much wrong they've done to us, that can tempt us to to hold forgiveness over them like like some sort of weapon to, to wield it like a prize. Forgiveness is power, and Jesus teaches us that we are always meant to use our power for the well-being of others and not for ourselves. If we look past the numbers in this parable, we see that Jesus is telling us a simple truth. That God forgives us constantly. Big things and small things over and over again, and sometimes we notice, and often we don't. But when taken together, the forgiveness that God offers us is great. And most importantly, God gives it to us freely without measuring or counting or keeping track. And so that's how we're meant to forgive too. Peter's question was ridiculous because God never stops forgiving us. So... So why would we stop forgiving others? That doesn't mean that forgiveness doesn't have limits. We can forgive and still create boundaries. We can forgive and still ensure that a person cannot continue to harm us. We can forgive and still tell the truth about what happened. Jesus is not telling us that we need to go back over and over into an abusive relationship or situation. Too often these words have been used to justify suffering or evil, to tell women that they need to go back to the abusive relationship, to teach people that they shouldn't care when others treat them poorly. So please hear me. Forgiveness does not excuse or condone another person's actions. God loves you, and God never intends for you to be harmed or hurt by anyone. God only wants your well-being. Forgiveness does not mean that someone's harmful actions can continue. Forgiveness means being free of their actions and of the hate that wants to hold you prisoner. This parable isn't hard to understand. Jesus is saying that as people who are forgiven by God, we should pass that forgiveness on to others. 
And to be honest, in the past, when I've preached about forgiveness, this is usually where I would share some sort of incredible story of of somebody forgiving other people in powerful ways. And there are lots of examples. The Amish community at, at Nickel Mines or Stephen McDonald or the people of Mother Emanuel A.M.E., Brant Jean or Corey Ten Boom or, or the family of In Oho. There are many inspirational stories about forgiveness that, that are amazing and, and leave us in awe. But here's the thing. Those stories don't actually help us to become more forgiving ourselves, do they? I mean, they don't make forgiveness any easier. They don't take away the hurt or the pain or the anger. Jesus is telling us that we should be more forgiving, but does that actually help us to forgive people more? I mean, I think most of us already know that we're supposed to be forgiving, especially those of us who have been around the church for a while. And hearing a parable that commands us to forgive is good, but but I'm just not sure if it helps. For many of us, it can feel more like a burden. It can remind us how bad we are at forgiveness. That, that forgiveness is something that we're struggling with and that we sometimes fail at. It can make us feel lousy in comparison to people who have forgiven in just powerful ways. So hearing a command to be more forgiving doesn't help to make us more forgiving. But you know what does? Being forgiven. That's the most ridiculous part of this whole story. The very idea that a person could be forgiven and set free like this slave was and not be transformed by that. Jesus is saying to Peter, And to us, he's saying, can you imagine someone being forgiven so much? Can you imagine someone having their life so radically impacted by forgiveness, being set free in such a profound way by someone else's grace? Can you imagine experiencing that and not being transformed and changed by it? It's ridiculous to even think about. I am sure that if I asked you this morning who it is you need to forgive, that many of us would be able to think of a name or picture a face quite easily. We know that. We know we should be more forgiving. But we also know that forgiveness is hard. Really hard. And it's a process that can take a lot of time and emotional energy and and maybe even professional help. So instead of making you feel guilty, guilty for the fact that perhaps you sometimes have trouble forgiving, instead of simply reminding you of the person you need to forgive, instead of telling you to bear down and white knuckle your way to forgiveness, instead this morning, I want to give you a tool that I think is going to be so much more helpful as you seek to become a forgiving person. I want to remind you that you are forgiven because that's going to change you. God forgives you wherever you've been, 
or wherever you've gone, whatever you've done, God's grace and forgiveness are extended to you without any condition or strings attached. In Jesus, you are washed clean. Whatever past action is trying to cling to you or stay with you, in Jesus, you're set free and it doesn't define you. The wrong that you've done to others or or the way that you've hurt yourself, the bad choices and mistakes you've made, they are forgiven. You are loved by God. And one of the best parts of being a part of the church means that we get to be part of a community where we can see God's grace and love and forgiveness reflected to us and the love shown to us by others. You are forgiven. And if we want to be forgiving people, that's where we start with the undeniable, unending, unconditional, unwavering, unyielding truth that we are forgiven. Because when that truth gets into us, when God's forgiveness seeks into the broken cracks of our heart, when God's grace blooms in the barren places of our soul, that changes and transforms us. And God turns us into forgiving people. So stand under the waterfall of God's forgiveness and grace. Experience it for yourself. Let it soak into you. Let it change you. And then do something really ridiculous. Go and share it. Amen.